welcome to the Manifest Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Norma Reyes, a Latina career and life coach. With this podcast, I help successful women learn how to combine their intuition and logic so that they can manifest their dream career. By listening to my podcast, you'll learn how to go from feeling stuck and lost on what to do next to having the clarity, motivation, and strategies to manifest the career of your dreams. Each episode, I'll teach you the skills, strategies, and mindset you need, girl, to get in alignment with your career goals. Now let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 30, and today is a special guest, Denise Hernandez, who went from wanting to be a rapper to becoming a lawyer, who is also a very important social impact leader in Texas. So Denise currently serves as the Deputy Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion at the Travis County's Attorney Office. She works there on criminal justice reform. So Denise started her career doing grassroots advocacy and providing free legal services to low-income communities. Later, she became an assistant DA, helping survivors of domestic violence and child abuse. And in addition to her professional work, Denise is a community advocate and philanthropist. In 2018, she created Chingona Fest, an annual Latinx empowerment festival. And then in 2020, Denise and her wife launched the KDH Giving Fund, a grant-funded focused on creating social change through inclusive and equitable philanthropy. Fancy word for giving back, guys. Denise has been nationally recognized for community activism and has a Leader of Culture Change Award, named as a Young Latinx Distinguished Leader in 2020. Denise is driven by her lived experience to create social change in her community and is currently running to be the first openly gay Latina judge to serve county court at law number six in Travis County. So guys, if you want to follow her social impact journey, you can find her at Denise Creates Change on Instagram. And you can also learn more and support her campaign at votedeniseforjudge.com. Guys, this is one of my favorite interviews and not that the rest haven't, but how can you not have fun with someone who said they once wanted to be a rapper and are now a lawyer. So here she is. So thank you so much for joining us. And I always start off with the same question from my guests. So tell us about your family background. Where did you grow up and who did you live with? Yeah. So uh, one, thank you for having me, Dr. Reyes. I'm, I'm really honored to be in this space with you. Uh, so I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Well, I was born in San Antonio, but raised since the age of like three months old in, in Houston. And so Houston is home for me. And I grew up with my mom and dad, but my parents separated fairly young. And so when I was young, and so uh, the majority of my life, uh, I lived in a single parent household. 
and I, and I really watched my mom struggle quite a bit. Right. But that was, that experience inspired me down the path that I ended up on. And so it's been interesting in where I am now reflecting back on my life and my upbringing, because I think a lot of people would view it as um, very filled with lots of adversity. And it was, but it shaped me and made me really strong. And so uh, that's a very quick background of where I'm from and where I grew up. Thank you. Yes. I think when we look back to a lot of that, because for myself as a first gen and growing up really poor and not just poor, but I think like, and I don't like the term uneducated. I would say like unaware because I don't Mm. think my parents, I feel like uneducated means like, I don't know, you're dumb and there's not anybody that's dumb. It's just more of unaware. Mm. And when you're not, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think a lot of it was that. And yeah, definitely a lot of challenges that I don't even think I knew at the time. But looking back, it's like, oh, okay, that made sense. That makes sense why I wasn't able to do this, this or that, or didn't know this or that. So when you were young and people asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, what do you recall telling them? Well, initially I told people I was going to be a rapper. Uh, <laughs> I was, wait, I, wait, I'm going to have to hear you rap. <laughs> uh, that, that another time for sure. Uh, I, I grew up in Houston. Rap culture is very infused in, in Houston, but I also grew up, you know, Latino. And obviously I'm, I'm a Latina. So it was like Tejano music and rap music the majority of my life and a hint of country here and there. But I really thought that I was going to be a rapper, uh, really because I love to, to speak and I love to perform and, and to entertain and to make people happy. And it wasn't until I, I participated in a program called the National Hispanic Institute that trained young Latinos to debate that I realized that my passion for public speaking, which to me was just rapping at one point was actually a passion for just speaking on issues and advocating. And I began to see and meet other Latinos who were like me go off to college and then go off to law school. And it was the first time that I could began to see myself in that path. And so it wasn't until about the ninth grade or the 10th grade that I realized that I could be a lawyer. And so before high school, it was rapper. After high school, it was a lawyer. <laughs> I, I'd like I like to think that I could could do both one day. We'll we'll see. Yeah, you definitely can. And you know, you're a lawyer, so you could really like you already know all the other side of it. Yeah. So how neat! I would have never guessed that at all. And you kind of talked a little bit about this, but were there any other role models that you had in your life that you were like, oh, I want to do that as a career or be like them when I grow up? Yeah, you know, honestly, when I when I reflect back on the role models that I had growing up, it, they weren't individuals who were in authority positions, like on a professional level. They were like my immediate family, my mom, my dad my tias were all really inspirational to me. And they don't, you know, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. And so my, my mom and my dad both dropped out of high school uh, and they don't have high school diplomas, uh, but they were still really inspirational to me because they had such a grit and perseverance that, 
I mean, was undeniable. My dad was a, is a hardworking man uh, and would wake up like at 3 a.m. every day, work until like 6 p.m., come home and, and do it all again, you know? And, and my mom worked when they separated and, and she was a predominantly single parent, was working two to three jobs at a time to provide, but I never saw my mom complain. You know, she uh, worked hard. She did what she had to do to provide for the family, but she always kept a smile and she was always so positive. And she still is. She's so such a positive figure in my life. Uh, and even though they weren't lawyers or doctors, they taught me a lot. And, and it's something I still carry with me today. Yeah, yeah. And it's so important to have that positivity, you know, within your family because if you don't i really feel like that's really the divider between those that are successful and those that are not if you don't have hope or you don't have someone that believes in you or pushes you or tells you there's another way then you just will never believe that there is another way for you than what you see in front of you yeah so thank you for sharing so now tell us about your educational background you know, did you attend college immediately after and then, you know, going into law school? Yeah. So, you know, I'm the daughter of an immigrant. My, both of my parents grew up as migrant workers. Uh, and so education was really important to them because they never really had that opportunity growing up. So any opportunity they had, they would encourage me and my sister to really think about college. And so when I was in high school, I I pretty much had in my mind that I was going to go to college. I didn't know what that process looked like. (laughs) And my parents had no way to give me guidance, but it was like on pure grit and determination to make my family proud that I figured out the college application process. I um, applied to a bunch of colleges and then I went, so I went to college immediately after graduating from high school. And then because I had already determined in high school that I was going to be a lawyer, I had set out that I was going to go to law school. And so I already had these things envisioned. I mean, when I was like a sophomore. And so right after college, I went to law school uh, and I, I, that was the best decision for me uh, for sure. It was hard because I was living out of the city. Uh, So in college I was in San Antonio, but my family was in Houston And then for law school, I was in Lubbock, Texas, which is a really rural town, which was like eight hours away from my family. And it was really difficult, but I grew so much uh, and I learned a lot about what I needed to do to succeed, to come back and make a difference in my community. Yeah, I can only imagine. My own experience, I only went an hour north, but just one hour made a big difference. And yeah. Then, hey, San Antonio is like so much better than Houston. Yeah. So <laughs> I really enjoyed my time in San Antonio. The the culture is just so rich. And you know, growing up in Houston, it's very diverse. San Antonio is also very diverse. Lubbock, Texas, not so diverse. Uh so it was it was definitely a, a culture shock when I when I went off to law school. Um, but it made me appreciate that I want to be in a space that's diverse and I want to create diverse spaces because those spaces help people feel seen. Right. And I felt mm-hmm. seen in Houston and I felt seen in San Antonio. And so the, my time uh, getting my degrees, it, it was difficult, but it was also 
a lot of growth, you know, a lot of personal growth for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something about the college experience that maybe isn't talked about as much. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of personal growth that happens and it's really not even about the degree. It's not the degree that you get. You can have any job with any degree. You know, if you ask around enough, you'll find someone that has a really obscure degree doing a job that you would have never thought. But it's really about that personal growth and development and really putting yourself out there because you can go get a degree and not have any personal growth. Yeah. But, you know, really making use of those experiences that when you get out of your home element, Mm. you grow a whole lot more. I'm sure going to Lubbock. (laughs) You, that was a, an experience. I have not actually been to Lubbock. I think I've, I've driven through the Panhandle, so maybe I've driven through Lubbock. Um, but I haven't been there. One day. One day, though, because I hear they have these, like, canyons. Uh, I can't remember the names of them, but I was looking at them, and I was like, what? We have this in Texas? Yeah. The Panhandle. We have some... So did you go to any of the hiking areas up there? Well, you, there? unfortunately, law school is so time consuming <laughs> that you almost have like no, no free time. You're reading all the time. But uh, when I did have free time, I'd spend a lot of time just kind of parking on the outskirts of Lubbock and just watching the landscape. It, it's, it's very flat out there. Uh, and it, when you think rural Texas back in the day, cowboy style. That's definitely the, the feel of, of Lubbock. <laughs> uh, so you could see a storm come in hours before it gets to where you're actually at because it's so wow. flat. And so it's, it's beautiful. Um, there's lots of windmills, lots of tumbleweeds. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a different landscape for sure compared to Houston and San Antonio. Yeah. I'll have to make that trip out there. Okay. So I know that you're a lawyer, but how did your outlook on your career development change once you graduated and entered the workforce? Yeah. So when when I went off to law school, uh, I had it set in my mind that I would do work in nonprofit work. So because I grew up low income, uh, because I faced so much adversity, uh, what I experienced a lot growing up was the disproportionate impacts that the legal system had on communities of color, on low-income communities. And that's because there, unfortunately, is a lack of cultural competency in in the legal system. And so when I went off to law school, I was determined to address that. And I knew that nonprofits were doing that. They were doing grassroots work and outreach and advocacy. And so the majority of my internships through college and law school were at legal aids. So I worked at the Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid. I worked um, for the Texas Civil Rights Project, the Lubbock Legal Aid. And I was just essentially just doing advocacy and community work. And then when I graduated law school, I began um, an internship at the Travis County Attorney's Office in Austin. And I had never really considered criminal law before uh, because I wanted to do civil rights nonprofit work. But when I was in that internship, I realized the correlation and intersectionality of addressing these issues through the criminal justice system, Uh, because because also in the criminal justice system, there's a lack of cultural competency and a lack of equity. And as a person of color, you kind of begin to identify that early on 
now that discussion is at the forefront and everybody's discussing it. But when it that's a part of your existence, you you really get that sense before it becomes a hot topic, right? And so um, when I was doing that internship, it really changed my perspective on how I could create change. And so um, I, I spent some time interning there. Then I went back to work at a legal aid because I thought that that was the path. And when I went back to work at the legal aid, I realized that I wanted to make the impact in criminal justice. And so I ended up going down the path of criminal justice. I was uh, a prosecutor for uh, the district attorney's office doing work in family violence and child abuse. So I was essentially advocating for children who had been sexually abused and women and, and men who had been in domestic violence situations. Uh, and in those experiences, just doing everything that I could to bring cultural competency and equity to that work. Uh, and, and now I am the deputy director of diversity, equity, and inclusion for the county attorney's office here in Austin. And I focus specifically on training prosecutors to have cultural competency, to have an equity lens when reviewing cases. Um, and, and, and it feels it feels amazing to be having these discussions openly to try to make our systems better, uh, to try to make people uh, better prosecutors by just having a lot more lived experience in the discussion when we're reviewing cases. Um, and so my perspective of change really did shift when I was in the workforce and just realizing you can create change in so many different areas uh, we need people who are in nonprofit work. We need people doing civil rights work. We need prosecutors who are also doing good work. Change happens everywhere, not just in one area of anything, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Everywhere, everyone has um, their piece where they can have that impact and that change. So we can yeah. have a better world and a better tomorrow. Absolutely. Now we sound like a, a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> So well, I'll get us back a little bit more to the career development side of it. But so now I know that in law school, you have to do internships and that kind of kind of gets your foot in the door in different directions. So can you tell us about those types of networking experiences? Yeah, you know, I didn't learn networking through my family uh, in a traditional sense, but it, it is instilled as a Latina when you go to family functions, you have to go say hi to everybody in the room, right? <laughs> and, yeah. you have to, and you have to say bye to everyone as you're leaving. And that is like an informal way of learning networking. Uh, right. And, and so uh, when I first went to law school and I began interning and learning, you know, all about networking, uh, how I, it, it felt uncomfortable at first. I'm not going to lie. It was hard, especially... Yeah. Uh, because that professional career development isn't taught, right? And, and it's kind of like an mm -hmm. informal thing that you you hear about, but you know you have to do it to, you know, excel in your career, to meet people. And so when I first began networking, I felt really uncomfortable. I didn't know what to talk about. I had no idea how to really connect with people, especially in law school where I felt like I was a minority, right? I was, I was one of a, a few uh, students of color in that space. But what made me a better networker was the ability to just correlate it to like meeting with family, right? 
giving everyone yeah. a moment and, and connecting with folks, right? Whether you're seeing your tia and you're asking, how are you? How are your kids? Doing that in, in real life with someone you don't know is, is similar. You're, you're asking someone, how are you? You know, what, what are your passions? You're really getting to learn someone and you're just sharing that space together. And so when I was able to connect that with what I already knew, then I began to feel comfortable. Um, but most importantly, just getting used to just being me in my in, in, in networking, right? If uh, I know I'm not going to be the cup of tea for everyone, but that's okay. You know, I, I will, will connect with the individuals who I'm, I'm meant to connect with. And I'm not trying to seek outside validation to feel worthy in a space, right? Uh, and so that's, you know, one thing that I think is hard to learn because with networking, it's kind of like you hope everybody likes you, but it's okay if that's not the case, right? And it's okay if you go in knowing that you don't need external validation to feel like you belong. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's so much great advice. I love the comparison about going to a family event and, you know, because I personally, that's like probably my least favorite thing. My husband hates it because he's, you know, he's used to doing that. But yeah. I mean, literally, I did not have that at all because it was just my parents and my siblings. And that's it. Like, we didn't have the extended family. So I didn't, you know, not used to it. And so I do, I am a reserved person when I first enter rooms. Mm-hmm. I like to get warmed up first before. But, you know, like with the big family has a huge family. Everyone just expects you. As soon as you get there, that's the first thing you do. You can't settle in. <laughs> So I love that you connected that, you know, and use that to empower you. Yeah. And I also love that you said that not everyone has to like you. And that's yeah. something that we think sometimes when we mm-hmm. go into these networking events that, and then that overextends us, overextends our energy, you know, make your rounds. Yeah. Be polite and say hi to everyone, just like you would in a family event. And right. then spend your time with those people that fill you up you know you fill them they fill you and it feels authentic I love that I love that I just yeah I hadn't heard that said it done like that before so now one of my favorite questions to ask so what has been one of the most influential experiences in your career so far the most influential experience in my career um Immediately, I thought about what's the most influential experience in my life, <laughs> but it's, it's specific to my career. The most influential experience I had was probably last year at the peak of uh, a lot of the protests that were happening last year with criminal justice. It was really difficult to be a prosecutor at that time and to be a person of color because you begin to, to think, am I still doing good work in this space? And uh, as a person of color, as a daughter of an immigrant, it, it can feel like you're kind of working in a system that doesn't appreciate your lived experience and doesn't acknowledge it. And that can be hard, right? And I think that that's probably the case for in any space that you go into where you're not the majority of that space, right? And so last year I had to do some real reflection on, is this the path that I wanna to continue to take? And I had a conversation with a friend who said, you know, Denise, if you left and if you didn't do this work, then who would step into that space and who would talk about cultural competency and who would talk about equity and who would 
would try to bring the lived experience that you would bring. Maybe the person who steps into that space doesn't do that. Uh, and then where does the change happen? And so it was, it was really pivotal for me to have that conversation with that friend because it was an eye opener that we have to be the change that we want to see. And sometimes that we have to reflect on that and to make the active decision to say, is it in this space? Uh, and for me, it was. And, and that eventually led to where I am now, where I'm actively bringing equity and inclusion and cultural competency into the criminal justice system. And um, it is, it, it to me, that all began with that one discussion uh, where I made the commitment to move forward and just was very out and loud and proud about we need to be having these discussions and uh, encouraging people to have those discussions. That's really great. So is, are you new into the role that you are currently in? Yes. Yeah. I, I stepped into this role uh, January of, of this year. So it is, it's a fairly new role. There aren't a lot of prosecutor offices that have someone focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and so it's a new role. It's a new concept and idea. Uh, and so it's, it's an exciting time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned it, I was like, is that, is that like, I don't know that they had that in departments. So it's really, it's, yeah. I love to hear that. I love to hear that it's here in Texas because we get such a bad rep. Yeah. But people don't realize that, you know, Texas is really big. Um, there's a lot of factors and the major cities are not the ones that are red. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, it's a really diverse state, right. And it has a lot of different experience. You know, my experience as a Latino could be different from someone else's experience as a Latino if they grew up in the Valley, yeah. for example. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty of sharing communities that we all have such different experiences and different backgrounds and we should be celebrating those differences because it, it helps us understand people outside of our own. And it builds, to me, builds strength within the community. Yeah, it definitely does. And Texas is huge. It's but... enormous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like trying to get people to understand like how big it is. Cause I have friends that live in the Northeast and I'm like, we're like, I don't know. I think it was like, I don't know, like 57 New Jerseys to kind of get them to think about it. <laughs> I mean, it's huge. There's, we have 21 million people. And it's not even just the people. It's the the land space as well. Like, right. you know, people right. talk about, like, it takes them, you know, an hour to get out of state. You know, it did take me an hour to get across town. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's Texas is enormous. I mean, I, lo I love Texas. I was born and raised in Texas. I met my wife in Texas. We got married in Texas. It's just, I have so much love for the state, even though it drives me crazy. But at the end of the day, I'll never leave. I, I want to be the change that I want to see in my state. And that requires me to, to be here and to, to be loud and be proud and, and represent, you know? Yeah, I don't foresee myself leaving anywhere. I definitely love this, the central Texas area. Yes. I can't imagine moving anywhere else in Texas, as much as I like to go visit all the other places. <laughs> so... Next question. Um, can you tell us what were some of your obstacles or challenges that you have faced throughout your career? 
yeah, some of the obstacles and challenges that I faced uh, were really revolve around imposter syndrome. And I hate that word. I hate the term. Yeah. But just really just just feeling out of place. Uh, And I I think every step of of the way um, after graduating high school and going to college, I just felt out of place. You know, I, I felt it felt foreign to me because no one in my family had had gone to college. And so I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the experience was going to be like. And so my first semester in college, I did really well, but my second semester was really hard. And it was because it was, you know, many, many months into being away from my family, being on my own, figuring out who I am and what are my values outside of, you know, my family and just figuring out what that means for my path. And so experiencing imposter syndrome was difficult because it it makes you have self-doubt. And so when you have self-doubt, then you don't believe that you can achieve the things that you've set out to achieve. So really anytime that I experienced imposter syndrome, I just began thinking about the adversity I faced growing up, the adversity that my family faced and using that as inspiration to say, man, Denise, you've overcome a lot in your life. And those are much harder than, you know, these grades you're trying to get in college. You, you can do this. And so I became like my own hype woman in my own head. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Just hyping myself up. And so once I was able to get over that in college, I mean, the same thing happened again in, in law school, because that is like a way more exclusive yes. space. Right. And so it, it was really difficult for me in law school because I also um, was struggling with being in that space, struggling with figuring out, you know, who, who I was, I wasn't out at the time. And so it was hard to really succeed in law school without being really true to myself. Right. Because when you have that own internal battle of acceptance, it's hard to then have acceptance of yourself on a professional level. Yeah. But meeting my wife, And because I met my wife in law school, meeting my wife was really the moment that I began to really accept me 100%. She gave me so much inspiration and self-acceptance by just loving me for me and then making me realize that it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks as long as you as an individual, you're happy. And and that was like an eye opener for me uh, to just not worry about external validation to not worry about whether people like me or not. And just, do I like me? Right. That's the big question at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Do I like, me? Yeah. do I like yeah. what I'm doing with my life and the direction that I'm going, the impact that I'm making. And so, um, yeah, a lot of the, the obstacles were around just self-doubt and imposter syndrome and feeling like I didn't belong in those spaces but then overcoming them by just saying, man, you've experienced worse. You, you, you've, you've overcome so much and you have so much strength and you carry so much strength from your ancestors, from your family. Take that into every space that you walk into and just be you, which I can say now mm-hmm. I can do that pretty well. But, you know, it, it, it was a <laughs> long journey to get to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. It's that personal development, that inner strength that you yeah. build over time. I like that question you said, though, do I like me? A lot of times we are doing a lot of different things Mm. for different reasons. And then, for example, reaching any goal, 
Right. And then we find ourselves feeling empty because that goal wasn't yes. for us. It wasn't necessarily, you know, making it for, like, you know, do I like what I'm doing yes. to do this? And so that's a great self-reflection for everyone listening. Do I like me while yeah. I'm, what I'm doing? Is what I'm doing yes. feeding me and yes. what I want to do? All right. So then now I like to ask this question. So let's see what comes up. But so during your career, whether it was when you were in college or transitioning into the workforce, what were some unexpected events that happened that occurred, you know, and then that transformed as well to a success? Uh, I think one of the, the most transformative things that happened during my career was in 2018. Uh, I, I was working as a, as a prosecutor at the time, and I was feeling like I really wanted to connect with the community in, on a deeper level. I think I was really missing like my nonprofit grassroots advocacy days. And so my wife and I began to discuss creating events in Austin that were focused on celebrating culture, celebrating being LGBTQ, celebrating local nonprofits doing good work. And it was really just a small idea. Uh, and we, we hosted a 90s hip hop party to celebrate a local nonprofit and to raise money for them. And it was a huge hit. So, so many people came out, <laughs> but so many people were like, whoa, I really love this idea of something fun, like a hip hop party being connected with a social impact event. And then that event led to another event where we did an, something fun, but connected to social impact and then led to another event and eventually led to the development of Chinguana Fest Texas, which is a Latina Ooh. empowerment festival. And we do it annually now. So that was in 2018. We've done it every year since. Obviously, last year we did it virtually because of COVID. But it was kind of unexpected uh, because I have a, I have a full-time job. And at the time, my wife had a full-time job. And we were just doing this to create space that we felt was missing in our city. But then it turned out to be something we were doing annually. And now my wife quit her job and she's now running that, that business for us. Um, and I help when I, when I can, obviously it, it's a little more difficult because I have a full-time job still, but it was an unexpected turn in my career that I did not see occurring, but it is <laughs> something that is so fulfilling and rewarding because we get to create, we get to create space, cultural space in Austin while making a difference and really just trying to create inspiration any chance that we get. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That kind of goes into one of my next questions that I like to ask, and that is what are some new ideas or things that you've tried that led to a career opportunity? So you kind of answered that question already, and I just wanted to put it out there because sometimes we get stuck on this traditional mm -hmm. sense of putting energy into our career means boring networking events or just you know learning something new yeah. like excel right but you actually did something fun that was going to give back to the community and it developed into a whole other different thing right and the more that we do that the more we follow the fun and the joy the more that we'll actually be able to grow and you know find a newfound opportunity like your wife did like a business that you guys didn't even 
it wasn't even on your mind. No, no. And you know, my, I have to really give props to my wife and I know she's not the one being interviewed, but she was the one who taught me that we don't have to build professional life within a traditional sense. Right. And, uh, for example, she, she mm-hmm. started an Etsy business to help pay off her student loans. That Etsy business did so well that it helped us purchase our very first home. And so it, I mean, it, I never thought that Etsy could do something like that, but it did. And then yeah. around that time was around when we started doing events and then it just took off to where, you know, that's what she's doing full time. Now, obviously she has other businesses that she's running as well, but it made me see that I don't have to just live life in the box of a lawyer, right? We're, we are diverse humans. We have diverse interests. We're, we're intersectional, right? So I'm a lawyer, but I'm also uh, what I like to call a social entrepreneur. I put on social impact events in the community to make a difference. I'm also a philanthropist. One day I'll be a rapper, you know? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, you don't have to live and be the sole identity of your professional career. Right. You just be you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's important, right? Those are part of us, but that's not who we are. And that's one of the yeah. things I like to share with people, right? A lot of times when we feel lost, it's because we've placed our identity on one thing. For example, yeah. saying I'm a lawyer and then, you know, say you lose your job. And then what does that mean about you? Yeah, you know, exactly. that's why you got to you know, build yourself, accept yourself, know what makes you truly happy. And then, you know, and I recently heard this on a different podcast, and she was talking about styling, actually, how we go and find clothes that we try to fit into clothes, but we actually need to find clothes that fits us. And I was like, I can relate this to careers, we need to find a company, a career that fits us, and not the other way around, not one we could fit into. Because that's the only way that exactly. it'll work. So that's yeah. all of the formal questions that I have. But I know you have something else going on. So I'd love for you to share with us. Yeah. So, you know, I, I shared a lot of what inspired me to go to law school. And um, I hit a point in my career where I am ready to make a difference through running for office. And so I am running for office right now. I'm, I'm running to be the judge of a criminal court here in Austin, Texas. And uh, I'm the first in my family to do this. So it's really scary, but it's like any other experience that I've had, you know, it's scary, but I'm doing it to make a difference in my community, right? And to, to create real cultural competency and equity in our judicial system. And that starts with having lived experience on the bench. And the unfortunate truth is that a lot of the history of our judicial system has been led by people who don't, who, who aren't representative of the communities they serve. And so we, we see the diversity happening and I'm running to bring that lived experience and diversity and representation on the bench. And uh, it's exciting. It's scary. I'm learning a lot. I'm growing a lot. But most importantly, I'm representing community. And so it, it feels like such a powerful path to be on, right? Yeah, how amazing. You know, something that I haven't really shared too often, but when I was in fourth grade, I had to do a project on like what I wanted to be when I grew up. And 
I had done, I said I wanted to be a judge. And then for some reason, I completely forgot all about it. And then later in life, I found out yet to, you don't have to be a lawyer, but the traditional path is, you know, you're a lawyer. I know that there's elected judges that aren't yes. necessarily have had been a lawyer. So maybe one day, you know, I'll yeah. be a judge yeah. somewhere. Justice of the peace. Uh, those judges are elected and you don't have to be a lawyer to, to run for those seats. Yeah, that is, that's true. So perhaps if I, if I have been with later, later, we're, later. We're, we're planting the seed, Dr. Reyes, we're planting it right now. I know, right? I already have a PhD. That's, yeah. that's, that's almost the equivalent. I'm like, oh, I know I don't want to go back to law school. I've already talked to plenty of lawyers that I know how intense it is. Oh, yeah. You no. Know? So, but um, that is a path that I have often looked back at and thought like, why didn't I, why didn't I do that? And it really goes back to that not knowing. I think for me, a lot of people pushed computers, computer science, mm -hmm. and yeah. that didn't really turn out to what I wanted it to be. I think part of me is I learn everything so quickly. Give me something, I'll learn how to do it and make it easier for others to understand. Um, that's just my personality, but that doesn't mean that's what I should be doing either, right? right? So anybody listening, yeah. if you are like that, you're a quick learner and adapter, but maybe not a master of these skills, because I know that I'm not a master at a lot of things, but I can do a lot. Yeah. It just means maybe you're supposed to be a teacher, which is what someone has <laughs> told me. And I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> not even a professor, but maybe one day, one day that too. But... Well, how can we support you, Denise, on this journey? Please share, because I know everyone listening is like, oh my gosh, I want to support you. I know I want to support you, so please share with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. you. You can follow me on social media. My Instagram is Denise Creates Change, at, you know, at Denise Creates Change. Uh, and then you can go to my website, votedeniseforjudge.com. Um, if you can make a donation, that would be amazing because that's the biggest thing that drives campaigns is, is getting donations to run your campaign, to push out your, your message to people, but also spread the word. You know, I, even if you don't live in Travis County, that doesn't matter. Spread the word, get people excited. Maybe that will inspire them to get involved in their elections in their own hometown. Right. And so, yeah, just give me a follow on Instagram and go check out uh, my website. Great. Well, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story. I loved everything. And one day we'll have you back so you could wrap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll make that happen for sure. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was really an honor to be in this space with you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Manifest Your Career podcast with me, your host, Dr. Norma Reyes, a Latina career and life coach. 